Appreciate that so much, and uh, certainly have enjoyed all the music. I'm sure you have as well. It's quite a blessing, and uh, many talented and gifted people here, and uh, I'm grateful for them. If you want to give them another round of applause, feel free. <laughs> We've heard a great uh, testimony this morning about really what Christmas is all about. And certainly we want you to have a very Merry Christmas this season. We, we learned about really the events, right? What took place at the birth of Jesus. And we went through what uh, many call the Christmas story. And uh, that is fitting and that is a good thing. Um, but really, if we want to understand the, the nativity and going back to that nativity, we really have to start all the way at the very beginning. That, that's where the account begins. Uh, because all the way back in Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And so we have a great creator God who made all things. And as part of that creation, he, he made us. He made man in his own image. And, and we enjoy the benefits of the world today. And it's a beautiful world. There are a lot of things I like to look at and gaze upon, and I'm sure you do as well, right? We've all taken those vacations, I think, and checked out the, the splendor of the world, the beauty, whether it's a trip to the mountains or out to the ocean or the Grand Canyon or whatever else. Sometimes the things that we see that are beautiful are, are man-made wonders where God has empowered man to build great structures, and some of those are pretty incredible as well. You know, one of the things that recently was built and put up into space was a telescope. This is the James Webb Telescope, and we actually have folks here today who are involved in that project, so uh, pretty, pretty neat. Um, many of you have seen images from the Hubble Telescope, it's like, wow, that's really cool. And then the, the James Webb, this is the first image it sent back, and wow, that's pretty neat, isn't it? You, you know, as, as we think about these things and we think about astronomy, Sometimes what I think comes to mind, at least in, in our world today, is that uh, there, there is this great divide. And to some degree, it's true, right? There are those who believe that God created the world, and there are those who believe something else. So maybe we had a big bang or something like that. And, and one of the things that science does is it, it constantly creates uh, for us an understanding of how the world came to be, uh, from a natural perspective. Now, when this, uh, an image after this, not this particular one, came out, there were a lot of news articles that came out. And, you know, one example here, this new James Webb data says that maybe the Big Bang wasn't actually what happened. Now, other people disagreed, and they said, well, you know, some have declared it, but, uh, you know, it's, it, don't get ready to actually drop all the data yet, right? And, and so you see both sides. Uh, the news stories come out, and um, um, the, the, the fact of the matter is, what happens in science is that data is constantly analyzed and reviewed, and, and it progresses. And so, I'm just going to put a definition up here for you. Science, systematic knowledge of the physical or, or material world gained through observation and experimentation. What happens? We observe things, physical things, and we come to a conclusion of how it came to be. You notice there's a limitation there. It's the physical or material world. It's natural things. That's what science does. It looks at things from a natural perspective. Another way of saying that is science looks at the world as though there is no God. 
and it tries to come up with reasons and solutions for how it all came to be. Uh, if, if you are a scientist and you show up in an academic research institution and they say, well, how did that happen? And you say, well, God made it. You're not going to be there very long, right? If that's your answer to everything, well, God made it. We all know that. You, you're not going to have your job very long. Why? Because scientists are looking for natural explanations for why things came to be. And, and science is kind of neat because it's sort of like a progressing thing. It moves. When we talk about the gospel, the gospel never changes. Right? When we talk about the Bible, the Bible never changes. It is the word of God. It is lasting. It is enduring forever. Science, what happens there is you get new data, and, and guess what happens? Science changes, right? They rewrite the textbooks, and you have a new textbook that comes out. That's, that's what happens in science, and it progresses, and we learn more and more. Let, let me tell you, uh, put it this way, if, if we were to go back to a science textbook from 1850 and had to use that for how we do everything, right, uh, th that James Webb telescope would have never made it up into the sky, right? It, it just wouldn't have happened because we've learned more and science has progressed since then. Well, I want to give you an example of this. Um, I have a science background. My undergraduate degree is biology, minor in chemistry, and, and um, I, I loved it, right? I absolutely loved it. Um, I thought I was going to go into a medical field. Uh, but in the course of my studies, I had a, a wonderful professor, and um, we were presenting a, a paper. Um, I was presenting it, but he was the professor, so his name appeared first, right? It was my research and everything, and I wrote it, but, but he, he was the professor, so his name appeared first. That's how it works in science, if you're not aware, if you're an undergraduate or graduate student. And, and so we were going to this conference, and so uh, I liked it because I got a free stay at Isle of Palms, South Carolina. He liked it because I did the work, and he got a free stay at Isle of Palms, South Carolina, and it was a good deal. So we rode together in a car, and the way it worked is on the way there, I told him what I believe. Right? And, I, and I got to tell him you know, what, what I believe according to Scripture and the Bible. And the way back, that was his turn. And he told me what he believed. And, and so he believed in the big, big Bang Theory. He believed in biological evolution and the evolutionary theory and that process. And, and so I, I asked him, and I said, how does all this come to be? You know, all these things that you're talking about, we're not observing major changes like you see. You know, that isn't happening today. We're seeing small changes. We're seeing minute things. And even I think that that happens, right? That's what I could, I agree with you there. But, but I don't think that, you know, little unicell organisms are turning into man and all of that. And he said, well, the only explanation I can give you is time. I said, but you're, you're not seeing it. Well, we, we just have to believe that in time that happens. In other words, his faith was based that in time, these things would change enough even though we couldn't actually see it taking place. And he told me, and, and this was deeply personal, he, and I, that's why I'm not sharing his name today, but in the midst of his moments of despair, he said, when, when all the world seems to be going to H in a handbasket, was how he put it. He said, I go to my desk in my office, and I pull out a Petri dish, of blue-green algae. And he said, I look into that Petri dish and I have hope knowing that even if we ruin this whole world, it will all start over again in time from blue-green algae. When he had a bad day, he went to a little plastic disc and looked at algae for his hope. 
when we think about it, there is a dichotomy here. What is your trust in? Is it in blue-green algae? Is it time? Is it this natural process? Or do you believe in a supernatural event, a supernatural occurrence? That that babe in the manger truly is God. Now, I can understand that there might be a leap there. What, what is it about this babe in a manger? What was so special about it? And to come to that understanding of, of why Jesus had to come, we have to go back to Scripture. Scripture provides that for us here, Romans 3.23, all have sinned, and that means we're all sinners, right? We have all done things that are wrong. I think most of us know that. The scary thing about sin and doing things wrong is that it doesn't just stop there. It's appointed to men once to die, and after this, the judgment. There's a judgment for sin. Now, that's kind of the scary part there, right? That, that there is a judgment that's coming after we die. And I've met people before, and they say, well, I'm not worried about it because I'm perfect, right? I've never done anything wrong. I always do good things, and Scripture's clear on that, too, in 1 John 1, 8. Right? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, the truth is not in us, we're lying to ourselves. Right? That, that's the fact of the matter. We've all done things that are wrong. So as we, as we think through uh, this, this account, that is a great challenge. Right? That we who were born, God created us, and, and he made us in his image, but we all have sinned. And he, being a righteous judge, will judge that sin. So what in the world are we to do? And the answer is there's nothing we can do. John 3.16 tells us why Jesus came. For God so loved the world. He saw our state. And he sent his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, will not experience that judgment, but have everlasting life. Well, that's a great thing, isn't it? pretty incredible when you think about what God has offered to us. You know, even in the manger, there's the shadow of the cross. God sent Jesus, not just to be born, but to live a perfect life, to die on the cross, to shed his own blood, to be buried and raised again the third day for our sins. You see, we should have received judgment for our sin, but instead, Jesus paid the penalty. He died in our place. If we believe in him, we can have everlasting life. Romans 5.8 puts it this way, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even though we sinned, Jesus came, and he died, that we could have eternal life. Now, honestly, I don't think that most people are struggling between the Bible and science today. I don't think that's the challenge that most people have in terms of whether or not they trust Jesus as their Savior. I think it's something totally different. Do you remember the old posters? You've probably seen them, if, at least in the history books, of Uncle Sam pointing his finger and saying, I want you, right? That, that great poster example, right? And, and, and it was an effective poster. A lot of people signed up for the army and joined the military because Uncle Sam was pointing his finger right at them and saying, I want you. Doesn't it look like he's just staring into your soul there? You know, when we, when we talk about believers today, the, the fact is that we, when we have to talk about sin, we, we don't like to have the finger pointed on us. 
We talk about anybody. We don't like to have the finger pointed at us. For God to point his finger at me and say, hey, it's you I'm talking about here. And that all have sinned. That's a, that's a scary thing. That's a scary concept, a scary idea. I think for most of us, and for many people, the, the problem between whether or not we want to trust Christ as our Savior is whether or not we want to say, okay, I'm going to give up control and say my life belongs to God. I think for a lot of people, the challenge comes down to, no, 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 I can't do that Christian thing because I want to do things my own way. Anya was meeting with a friend of mine. I have two friends that I grew up very close with in elementary school. One came to Christ just a few years ago. Uh, the other still has not. Anya was witnessing to one of those friends. And, and she shared with him the gospel and, and told him about Jesus and why he came and how he had died for his sins. And, and my friend's response was simple. I understand what you're saying. And I understand what you've said to me. But I like the way I live my life. I like enjoying the things that I enjoy. And I'm not going to give any of that up. He knew that there was a difference. And that if he became a Christian, that God would change his heart. And his desires would be different. And he loved the things that he loved. He loved the things of the world so much that he would never give them up. Bible itself describes some of these things in Romans 1.28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to debased mind, to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. It's not enough to do it yourself. You have to tell everybody else, hey, you can do it too. Come and join me. Be a part of this. It's fine. You know, we, we don't like some of those things on those lists, and, and perhaps you in your heart have, have said, well, I didn't do those things. Those sound so much worse. So what are the sins that we like? Well, Promiscuity. How do I know we like promiscuity? Just look at the shows on TV that everybody watches. They don't stay on TV because no one's watching them, right? Let's just be clear. The shows that are on TV don't stay on TV because no one's watching them. We, we like drunkenness. Look, look at our society. That, that's what our society likes. You, you have any, look, at the, look at TV commercials. They'll tell you what society likes. They tell you what people buy. They tell you what people do. You know, one of the biggest uh, areas are these large craft brewing areas, right, where people hang out today. That, that's kind of the new entertainment venue in our society. Why? Because people get to have a good time, drink beer, and get drunk. Lying. We like lying. Protect ourselves. Did you do that? No, I didn't do that. All right? we, we like lying to protect. We like lying to get ahead. Right. Did you see what they... Well, maybe they didn't do it, but I want to tell the boss so that I get ahead. Right? I mean, that, we, we lie to get ahead. We see that kind of thing. Cheating. Right? Cheating on tests. Cheating on other things to get ahead. Cheating on taxes. Ah, they'll never know. Nothing else. Loose tongues. Look at Facebook and Twitter. You'll see that out there, right? I mean, we, we are all guilty 
of sins. And we all like different sins. I like to eat a little too much. We all like different sins. That's the fact of the matter. But with this, right, the fact is that there still is a choice before us. And, you know, is it, is it you? Is it you who's going to keep these things and hoard them to yourself? Or are you going to say, you know, there's something better? Can I just encourage you with a few scriptures to the fact that there is something better? So I don't want to give up control of my life. I don't want God to take control of everything. I want to be in charge. I want to do what I want to do. Can I help you with something? You may think you're in charge, but you're not. You're not. Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. What's that saying? Trust the Lord, and you will see what good really is. You will see what it's like. 2 Peter 2.19 puts it this way, While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. What that means? Those who want you to do the things that don't please God, they are putting you in chains. They're, they're putting you in bonds. We, we sang about Jesus setting the captive free. He removes those chains of bondage. You, you see, coming to Jesus is not, is not somehow uh, a matter of, oh, I lose control of my life and now Jesus has it. Rather, it's Satan loses control of my life. And I give it over to the one who wants good for me. The one who actually loves me. The one who cares for me. Who wants my good. That's who gets control of my life now. John 8 Verse 34, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. If you don't know Jesus, your life is all about slavery to sin. You can't stop it. You can't stop it on your own. The servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. So the question for you is not whether or not you think that you're, you're, whether or not you'll continue being free today, but rather whether or not you're going to leave the bondage of sin that you're in if you don't know Jesus as your Savior. There is something so much better. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That's why Jesus came. And that's what Christmas is all about. I hope that this will be a very merry Christmas for you. And if you are in those bondages of sin, I hope you'll understand the real reason of Christmas by trusting in Jesus as your Savior that you can have eternal life.